RTI Time Machine. Today's time traveler is John Van Trieste. And the destination Beethoven, 1916. It's a Saturday morning in Taipei's Beitou district, and a lively crowd has gathered in a park. Welcome back, says a master of ceremonies, after a marching band finishes tuning up. It has been a long time. In the crowd, there's every kind of person you can imagine. An African drumming circle has shown up, and so has a TV crew and a few Mormon missionaries. There are sausage vendors and people handing out flyers and people with balloons. And then, with a final word from the MC, the welcome back ceremony is underway with twirling dragon dancers. It's an impressive, colorful scene. But what's everyone here for? The answer is the small lumber building at the center of the gathering. A row of circular windows peeks out ornamentally from its copper-tiled roof. The sloped roof hangs low over the edges of the building, and the triangular wooden supports holding it up are carved with flowers. Exactly 101 years ago today, this building opened as the Xinbeitou train station. It's charming, quaint, compared with the huge hotel complexes here, even squat. But these proud hotels should remember that it was this tiny station that helped launch their careers, linking downtown Taipei with this natural spa land in its backyard. For people in this part of town, the station is also linked with memories of the culture, the entertainment, and the late-night jaunts centered around the station, memories that still give the name Beitou a glow of nostalgia. This week, we're joining the crowd for a look back at the station's past, the story of its rise and decline, how it went away, and how now it's come back. People had long come to Beitou in search of sulfur, something you can smell in the air in some places around here. But as far as we know, the idea that people might bathe in the springs this sulfur came from only seems to have bubbled up after 1895. That year, Taiwan was colonized by Japan, a nation of hot spring lovers whose love of a good bath remains one of their big contributions to Taiwan's culture today. The year after the takeover, a Japanese man called Hirata Gengo opened Beitou's first hot spring hotel. Others followed, and over the decades, a resort town began to take shape. By 1913, a public bathhouse joined the private ones that had sprung up here in Beitou. To encourage hot spring tourism, the railway added a branch line out here, and in 1916, the Shinbeitou station opened. It's built in a hybrid Western-Japanese style popular at the time. Inside the station, you can see a postcard showing how things looked early on. The building was even smaller then than it is now, more like a pavilion than a proper station. It looks like waiting for a train here might have involved a bit of a squeeze. The text on this undated postcard says proudly that tourism to Beitou has grown, and as more hotels opened up, it did. Get into the 20s and 30s, and a wave of Japanese tourism to Taiwan made Beitou a must-visit spot. Even if you don't read Japanese, you can always spot Beitou on artistic souvenir maps of the time, where it appears as curls of steam against the mountains. During these years, there was a song written about Beitou and pressed into a scratchy vinyl album. 
And of course, no collection of the souvenir ink stamps scattered at tourist sites across Taiwan would ever be complete without a visit to Beitou. The station, built to attract more visitors, had done its job. And now it was overloaded. In 1937, builders had to put on an extension that increased the area by a third. This was Beitou's first golden age, a time of luxurious bathing, fine dining, and trains that ran once every half hour. The age wouldn't last, but the station would survive into a period that most older locals today remember even more fondly. World War II brought an end to 50 years of Japanese colonization. The train line here shut down in 1945 for lack of materials, but it reopened the following year under the new Republic of China government. Through headphones in the station today, you can hear Beitou natives discuss sweet memories of this time. One person remembers playing hooky from school here, another coming here and waiting for their aunt to get off work. Alongside these personal memories was a bigger picture, a cultural flowering of sorts centered on Beitou. Among the hot springs, directors found a ready-made romantic set for movies just north of downtown Taipei. Musicians found a niche here too, entertaining at the area's hotels, restaurants, and bars. Their bands even developed their own Japanese-flavored style of music that has become a symbol of this era. True, not everything that went on here was terribly highbrow. Beitou did have a seedy side. But that's not the story of Beitou, as told by those who were growing up here at the time. For them, it was all about daily life and the tiny wooden station at the center of it. No matter what you came here to do, the reliable station would make sure you got where you needed to go. Hard times hit the station, though, around 1979, as traffic dwindled. Something a sign inside the station says was connected to a law closing the area's red light district. But the area was already in decline. The bands had been hit by the rise of the karaoke machine, and the classic black and white films that had brought a tinge of melodrama to the place were already a memory. Still, the now old-fashioned wooden station held on until 1988. That year, the whole train line this station branched off of was going to shut down. Inside the station, archival footage follows the route of one of the last blue diesel locomotives to run out this way. At the same time, early work on Taipei's yet unbuilt metro system was going to encroach on this site. The whole building might have gotten the axe had it not been for architect Li Zhongyue, who saw something worth saving here. Li convinced the Taiwan Folk Village in central Taiwan to take it. The whole station was dutifully taken apart, hauled close to 200 kilometers to the south, and rebuilt there. Locals may have been sad to see it go, but they were sure it was gone for good. Until 2003, when a Beitou native visited the folk village and sensed that the station was lonely. Back home, he set up a committee to get the station back and was immediately laughed at. Told that the park wasn't selling, he even planned at one point to build a replica himself. But in the end, he didn't have to because while it took time, his proposal had struck a chord. 
Inside the station, you can almost feel it just by looking at the number of old tickets now on display inside. So many people had felt the need to hold on to them. People from Beitou went down south to visit like it was an old friend. And in 2007, they started a fund to raise money for their project. As the movement grew, the station's new owners finally recognized in 2013 how important the building was and they agreed to donate it. But then there was the big project of taking it apart, hauling it back, and reassembling it again. It would take a few more years, and the donations banner with stick-on numbers is still outside. But at a site close to the original one, next to the metro stop with the same name, the old wooden Xinbeitou train station has come back. And the people of Beitou have put on a party for a building. Guests of honor later in the day will include a 100-year-old and a 101-year-old, both still walking around and appearing before a building that's seen as much as they have. There will be a parade with a color guard and concerts of the old music the bands once played here. And on the sidelines, a hundred years on, today's hot spring hotels and restaurants are handing out flyers at a furious rate. This building helped create a time and an image that's still stuck in the Taiwanese imagination, Old Beitou. I'm John Van Trieste, and I hope you'll join me again next week for another journey through time. RTI News, programs, pictures, and more online at English 